Hey, hey, everybody, and welcome back to Happier Here, a podcast with Lauren Berger. I am your host, Lauren, and welcome to episode 14, y'all. I am so, so excited for today's guest, y'all. We have Amy Mose on the podcast. A little bit about Amy. She's a daughter, a sister, a mother, a friend, an educator, and an advocate. She graduated from St. Ambrose University and got her bachelor's in early childhood education and then moved across the country with her four-year-old son and dog and began her teaching career in Texas. She continued to grow and learn how to support children within their learning process. She then went back to get her master's and graduated in 2013 with her master's in education and began working in the area of assessment and identifying children who were suspected of having learning disabilities. She also had the opportunity to become a special education director for a charter school and has spent the last three years working hard to implement a program that that supports the students, teachers, and families in their educational journey. Along with these amazing accomplishments, Amy also writes this. Quote, I have accomplished these endeavors while raising my beautiful children, 22 and 14, and caring for our home and pets. While I'm proud of these accomplishments, I have also been supported by many beautiful, strong humans, especially women, to reach my goals. It definitely takes the support of a village. I enjoy spending time with my family, writing poetry, being active. I've ran several half marathons, and I'm an avid kickboxer. I believe God lives in everything, and we carry his spirit within us. Two of the places I feel closest to God is when I'm running and anytime I'm near the ocean. God's miracles never cease, and I am one of them. Two of the hardest life events I've had to endure was the loss of my oldest daughter 23 years ago and the loss of my mother recently. Grief is a very real and difficult emotion to carry. However, I am reminded within this process that these women were two of my greatest blessings and a source of immeasurable love. It is knowing and loving them I have continued to advocate and support women and children throughout my life's work this far. I am grateful for each sunrise, the sun on my skin, and each opportunity to be a little better than I was the day before. Amy is such an amazing woman and has blessed my life beyond words and I am so 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 excited for you all to hear her amazing story so without further ado let's meet Amy all right well hello Amy thank you so much for being here today how are you I'm good I'm good and I'm excited to be here and chatting with you yay well let's just start by you telling us a little bit about who you are what you do and we'll go from there okay so um my name is Amy. Um, I am a mother, I guess. I'm, well, first I would say like I'm, I'm a woman, right? Uh, and um, I'm a mother. I have three children, two are alive. Uh, my oldest is in the Navy and out uh, working overseas. And my youngest is uh, beginning her journey in high school. I work in education. I've worked in education for almost 20 years now. Um, I started off as a teacher in special education and early childhood, and then I grew in that journey. Um, I spent a little time teaching first grade, and then I went into um, what's called uh, assessment position, so um, evaluating and working with kids, um, identifying disabilities. And then from there, I went uh, to work with a charter school and build their special education program. And now most recently, I um, had to take a little bit of a step back and I'm working in a coordinator position for a district here in Texas. I'm still in the special education realm, um, 
but we uh, work together as a team for all of special programs. Nice. That's so amazing. So what like sparked your interest into like getting into the realm of like special education? Is that like what you got your degree in an undergrad or when did that kind of start? So actually, uh, it's real funny. Um, I think that the very last thing that I thought I would ever do was be a teacher mm-hmm. or work in education. Uh, when I left school, I was like, I'm done. <laughs> I took a quite a journey uh, trying to figure out through college what it was I wanted to do. I call it like the 10-year plan, but it was for a four-year degree. And uh, once I did get it figured out, I got I, w- I completed things very quickly. Yeah. Uh, my my journey into education actually was early childhood education. And that came from my oldest, my firstborn. Mm -hmm. She and I used to spend a lot of time together and we had a weekly um, date at Vandeveer Park as a local park where uh, I used to live and where we grew up. Mm -hmm. And her seeing the world through her eyes as a small child uh, I think she was around the age of two she would be so excited to go stop at that park and anytime we drove by and she saw kids playing she would say mommy we need to stop there we need to stop and play and I would say oh we well we have this and that she said no but you don't understand my friends are there Mm -hmm. and just that pure genuine love of excitement and watching and learning about the world through her eyes really connected me back to children. And uh, when she did pass, you know, suddenly there was just a need for me to um, to be and work with kids. And so I actually went into education to uh, to work with early childhood, which I absolutely still my favorite age group. I, yeah. I still love and spend probably as much time as I possibly can in that area. But um, I kind of fell into the special education realm just as um, working with children and seeing a need. And yeah. uh, that that actually even became, as I became connected with families and children, that became even a greater need in speaking to my heart and just listening uh, to the needs of those families and being there for those kids and learning through their eyes. Again, like there, there's just an innocence and an intelligence that is expressed um, when you spend time uh, working with kids and learning and listening from them. And um, so that's how I got there. Yeah, that's amazing. Where did you go to school at for undergrad? Well, I did a little stint at UNI. And then um, I went to a junior college also up in the Waterloo area. Then when I moved back to the Quad City area, uh, I went to Scott Community College. And then I... um, ended up going into St. Ambrose University, which actually ended up being the best fit for me. I think uh, the small class sizes, even though it was like really expensive, was probably um, very good for me because we were able to really have a lot of authentic conversations um, about what we were learning about in the material. And then while I was at uh, the university or St. Ambrose University, I also worked at their preschool or their lab school with children. And um, it was in that setting, the three to five-year-old room that uh, we had an all-inclusive preschool. And it was in that setting that I really uh, found my passion with early childhood and kids with, uh, kids with special needs. Yeah, that's awesome. You so. were like the poster child of like, college is not like a four-year route. Like, people put- <laughs> 
so much pressure on themselves to be like, I got to finish in four years. Like, no, it takes people time. And like, you still are doing like amazing things, which is incredible. Well, I had a lot, a lot of life experience along that college journey. Um, So there were a lot of things that happened, you know? Um, And I just think that it took me a while to figure out what my path would be. Um, I also, throughout that time period, um, was pregnant with my, my oldest Brianna and had her. And then, uh, I was continuing to go to school and work full time, um, and go to school full time, which was a lot. Um, but we were moving forward with life. So, you know, yeah. uh, what do you do? (laughs) Never easy going to school. I mean, I don't know, raising a child, going to school. I saw my mom do it when she went back to her master's with me and, it's a lot to work full time and to do all of that, but you did it. And you yeah. made it on the other end. <laughs> well, I hear you say that Brie is like one of your biggest like inspirations. And I guess kind of she sparked your passion for wanting to get into like this field and working with children. Do you want to like um well I just think um you know having her taught me the first thing was about and being her mom was the greatest gift that I could have ever been given um losing her gave me a lesson in understanding how precious our children are under and just being able to advocate and work with children, um, understanding that, you know, um, children have a voice, they have a place. Some children need a little bit more love than others. Um, but we're all all unique human beings, right? Um, and we're all here with some purpose and sometimes our purpose is for us to pour into someone else, um, and help build them up so that they can, you know, achieve their potential. And so, um, I think that, you know, that's what keeps me going. That's what keeps me going through the hard days and continuing to, to do the things, um, in daily life that, that we do, you know, um, but yeah, she, she started it for sure. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you for, for sharing. And I know I wasn't alive when Brie was alive, but I know how much she meant to, to you, to your whole friend group. I feel like I, anytime I talk about my family, I always include you and just the, just the big circle of friends that you guys all were, well, all are, you guys still are like so close. And it just like you, like you said, the unconditional love, I just see that poured out in every relationship that all of you guys are are in and so it's just so incredible and I just I feel like a lot of us kids in the group and in the family just really look up to you and your strength and um your your passion and your fight I feel like before we we started recording you were talking about like not feeling like sometimes like the work that you do is like considered activism because of like the way that our world like views activism. It's usually the people that are like out on the front lines, but it's truly like just those little connections that you make with people. And I feel like you're making those and like every, every space that you, you walk into, it's just so genuine and authentic. 
Aw, well, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> you are incredible. So you said you have two other kids too. One of your your kids in the Navy too. Mm-hmm. How has that experience been having a kiddo serving? Um, I was really, I was genuinely surprised yeah. uh, and shocked when my son came home from uh, his first semester at college and said, mom, I think I want to join the Navy. And I was like, what? <laughs> uh, you know, and I do have military background in my family. And my sister uh, is a West Point graduate and just actually retired from an over 30 year stint in, in the army. And my dad is a, a Vietnam vet. So uh, and then lots of cousins, you know, so there's not, it's not like the military is foreign to us in any um, aspect, but I was surprised when he said that. And, um, you know, I said, oh, how is my mom heart going to be able to handle this, you know? And um, so it was real funny because I said, well, you're 18 now, will you please um, let me come to the recruiting office with you? Don't sign anything um, without talking with me about it first. Yeah. And, um, I said, because, you know, I'm not going to be able to get you out of it if you change your mind. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, we went to the recruiting office together and I'm, I'm seeing like this poster with the thumbtacks and it shows where the submarines and different ships are out in the ocean. Yeah. And there's one up way up by Antarctica. And I was like, I, I can't like, I can't think about you down in that cold ocean like that. And I was like, yeah. don't get on a sub, you know. Um, <laughs> but anyway, he like, he went, we went into the appointment together and talked, spoke, you know, and then when we left, we walked out and I said, well, how do you feel about everything now? And he's like, I'm more excited now than I was before. And I was like, well, son, if this is what you want to do, I absolutely support you, um, you know, because I have done my best to you know, love him up and raise him and provide him with the wisdom and knowledge and confidence and courage to make his own decisions. And so he was like, absolutely, mom, this is what I want to do. And then he looked at me and he was like, look, I feel like this is something where I can go in. I can learn about something I really want to do. I can get hands-on experience. I'm going to make money doing it. And I'm going to get to travel the world. He's like, or I can go to college and learn about it, not have the actual experience, graduate and be full of debt. And he's like, so, you know, which one, you know, seems to make the most sense. And I'm looking at him and I'm like, well, I wish I was half as smart as you were at 20 <laughs> or at the time, I think he was what, maybe uh, 18. I don't think he was 19 yet. Yeah. And so I was like, well, I wish I was half as smart as you were, but you know, um, I'm, I'm look at this wisdom, right? Yeah. So, uh, it's, it's been interesting. Um, you know, I, I love the age that he is now. We, we talk a lot and share ideas and, um, I feel like I must've done something right. Cause he still seeks guidance, uh, from me. And sometimes I feel like he actually listens. And, uh, so, you know, you just, you think of it just as like, oh, they're away doing something they really want to do and they get to come home and visit. And then that's when, you know, you get all your hugs and fill your cup up. Right. Yeah. That's awesome. Like, I know it's like one of those things, like where your kid goes off to college for the first time. I know that's like super hard, but then your kid like went to Japan. And <laughs> like, it was like, like next level. Like how would like just having to like sent him off there like how was that was that hard like because you you did like sending him off to college right 
Well, so yeah. So I, I told him like I would make this joke like he gave me a buffer year, right? Yeah. Because um he uh he was at U at U of H, uh University yeah. of Houston for a year, which is local, but he was living in the dorms. So he, you know, it was like he was close enough that he could come home or, you know, if I needed needed to see him for some reason, you know, we could see each other. Right. Um, but then also he was living in the dorms, so he wasn't, you know, he essentially had moved out, right? right. Um and then I think, you know, the hardest thing really was boot camp. Um, which it was Chicago, but it was uh, the the Navy teaches you and them, um, you as a parent, I say, and them, and maybe I shouldn't say the Navy, the military, but in our experience, um, how to like cut that communication off right away, uh, because when they go into boot camp, there's there's no contact, there's no cell phones. There's no internet. There's nothing. You know, my son was like, it's kind of like going into a time warp. We had these really old fashioned pay phones that, you know, you didn't get to hear from them until, um, you know, so many weeks in when they had, you know, done so many things correctly, then they got to call and it was a really staticky, bad connection line. Um, so you learned how to snail mail and write letters. Um, and it's, uh, you know, a three, um, three months, like, uh, thing stent or whatever. Um, but you know, you, you just trust that things are okay. And you, you get used to not being able to text. Um, to be honest, they actually send the clothes that they're wearing and their cell phone back to you, at, you know, in the mail. So yeah. you get that back, you know, the week after that they're there and they, they call and say that they're there. And then that's pretty much it. Oh um, goodness. And then, you know, it's several weeks, you know, probably at least a month before, you know, I would say it was roughly before uh, we, we got a phone call. And um, so then, you know, we, we got to touch base that way, but you just have to learn to trust, right? You trust that everything is going well and you trust that, you know, God uh, is, you know, put your faith in God and that the right things are happening. And um, then, you know, when, when they graduate from boot camp, you get to see them and spend some time with them, but they get their cell phones back. And so he, in his journey, he went off to a school in the Carolinas. Uh-huh. Um, and so it was real weird. Like when he was actually, it was like, kind of like living in a dorm setting when he was actually in the building um, for school, there was no electronics, you know, no communication, no cell phones, but in their dorms, they could of course have that. And it took me forever to just text him again, like normal, because I kept thinking like, oh, I can't, I can't, like, he'll get in trouble. I can't text him. I can't. Um, So it was, it was kind of funny that way, like to learn that, oh, I can just text you and, you know, we can ask questions and talk again. And then heading over to Japan, of course, then that was kind of another whole thing, right? So I can communicate with him fairly easily when he's uh, on base and um, not out deployed on the ship, but on the ship, then it's a whole, it's another, again, like, you might be able to talk, you might not, you might, you know, so uh, it's, it's interesting. It's been definitely been a learning experience. um, But you kind of adjust and learn as you go. And it's a lot, it's a lot of putting, putting your faith in God and just, um, praying that, you know, no news is good news and that things are, are working out the way that they're supposed to and, uh, trusting that they're, you know, that, you know, you'll, you'll talk soon and, and get to see each other again. Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like even like, especially in like this generation, like 
we just have such quick access to our phones. Like if I wanted to talk to someone, I could just FaceTime them right now and see their face. So like having that stripped is like, kind of like put you back in a whole nother like era of like, okay, like we just have to like trust. And like you said, uh, having that like trust in God. Um, Mm -hmm. I want to talk about that for a minute, if that's okay. Oh, Um, certainly. I feel like faith is a really big part of my life. I feel like it's a really big part of your life. Um, Have you always been like a very faithful person or has this been something that is kind of, I mean, I feel like spiritual journeys are always roller coasters. You have your highs, you have your lows, but have you always been like a very faithful person and kind of had your trust in God or how has that journey kind of looked for you? Um, so there's a lot there, right? Um, to unpack, which of course I think anytime you're asking about God or faith, yeah. that those things happen. Um, I will definitely say that my life is on a continuous spiritual journey. All of the, I think I spent a lot of my younger years being very confused about religion. Yeah. Uh, I did have a very consistent, uh, religious upbringing where, you know, we did go to church every Sunday, um, those types of things. But, um, I think I grew up with an idea that we had to fear God, Mm -hmm. um, that if we did the wrong things, God would think us unlovable. Um, and so it, in, in my search for understanding and peace, uh, and, and wisdom, um, I've learned that, you know, God is a loving God, yeah. uh, that we don't need to fear God, that God walks with us and is in, a, and he is in, in, in all of us, even those that we might think are somewhat undesirable. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, and sometimes those pieces of God are hidden and they're hidden way deep down, but, but that connection is still there. Mm-hmm. Um, so that in learning that, that was my first step, right. In and understanding that, that God is here, um, and with us all the time. And he's the one that carries us or this intimate being is carrying us and, and, and existing within all of us. Um, I know that when I lost my daughter, mm-hmm. the only thing that I could hold on to was God. Yeah. I know that the only way that I got through some of those dark, dark moments. And sometimes they come back, you know, uh, even 20 some years later, right. They still come back, um, is, is, is through the prayer that strangers, people, um, offered for me and for my family and, um, and, and that faith of God, you know, it's interesting that you bring it up because, um, you know, I've, I've always kind of said like all this different religion stuff, like it doesn't matter to me. And some people will say like, oh, that's sacrilegious. Like, you know, whatever you believe is what you believe. I've just said like believing in God and believing and knowing that God is here and with you and carrying you. That's really, that's all important. And I think, you know, I say, don't you think like the creator of this world, the creator of our, our, um, existence was smart enough to figure out that there were all these ways and avenues to reach people, you know, Mm -hmm. um, 
And so it's never mattered to me, the religious battle, right? It's what's mattered to me is, do we have a a faith? Do we have something connecting us to one another? Uh, That essential essentialness. And I remember my son asking me, you know, like, mom, how do you know God exists? And I said, well, there's been too many times in my life where the only way that, that, you know, that, that, you know, the existence of God was shown to me because that's the only thing that was there. I said, you know, I saw the existence of God when you were born. Mm -hmm. I saw the existence of God when, you know, your sister was born and your other sister was born. There were times when there was nothing left for me, but God. And that's how I know God exists. And so, you know, that's where my faith stays and has always been that when there is nothing else left, when you cannot figure out which way to go or how to look, then you just look to God. And sometimes it's very clear where you need to go and, and, and how your prayers can be answered. And sometimes it's a very small, quiet, quiet voice that you really have to listen deeply to. Yeah. Yeah. So true. I had someone on the podcast recently that was talking about like grief and having how it's just, it's never linear. There's just so many ebbs and flows. There's good days. There's bad days. Like you said, 20 years later, things may come up, but like you said, having that, that faith to lean on, um, is really honestly the only thing that I've seen get so many people through such, traumatic experiences or sad times or honestly just getting through life like they're that's just really the only way that you can just continue I feel like is is being able to lean on something like higher higher than you and I'll call on all of them all the angels all all of my the spirit guides I was just gonna say that because you've gotten into like some like spiritual things right like you I know you I I feel like my mom was maybe telling me like some like crystals and stuff too. Like I find that so fascinating. I, I don't know a ton about it, but I have some friends that are like super into it. And like, it's like really, it's intense. Cause there's like so many different things. I think it's so awesome. Have you just started like, kind of like exploring that or. Um, well, that's been for a while. It's okay. funny how you where how you're introduced to things very young and you kind of let them go as life gets busy and yeah. then you're redirected or recentered back. But it's really just about energy. Yeah. Um, you know, that energy and flow and um and knowing that uh you know, when you when you really I think when you're looking for a spiritual connection and you're you're looking for God, you think God is somewhere and it takes a long time to, to get to that place where you realize God is everywhere. Right. And the, you know, the, the healing, um, nature of God is, you know, in the earth and, uh, and these energies exist everywhere. You know, um, I always talk about the wisdom of trees and I always think about how, um, there's so much wisdom and growth, uh, in, in, uh, in nature and healing that comes from just being outside. And, you know, it's funny because you, you know, you get caught in your everyday life and thinking about things, but, you know, when we don't feel well, we go outside. When we don't feel well, we spend some time taking a breath. Usually that breath ends up being, you know, a walk or, um, sitting out in the sun and feeling the sun on our skin, um, watching, uh, 
you know, the birds, you know, those, those small, simple things. And so, um, yeah, uh, I absolutely have a collection of crystals and, (laughs) and, uh, believe that there, there are energies and, um, and that's a big part of my faith. And some people would say that's sacrilegious, but you know, um, God created those too. So, yeah, I feel like we are starting to come into like a new era that like, it's okay for things to coexist. Like I can believe in energy and vibes and all of that and still believe that there's a God too. Cause like you said, he created those things too. So yeah, that's, that's amazing. And like you said, like, yeah, we're, we're introduced to it at a young age. If we really think about it, like everyone told us like, go outside, enjoy nature, enjoy like the fresh air and the sun and like if you think about it yeah it's literally just like the energies and happiness that like the sun brings to us and being outside brings to us I've I feel like the last like couple years being in grad school I'm like when there's sun outside I'm gonna go sit outside for a little bit because that's like, <laughs> the thing that brings me happiness so no I think that that is amazing and yeah I think the crystals are so awesome I have a friend that has just like a huge collection of them and like each one like symbolizes something different. I'm just like, this mm-hmm. is so amazing. It's so <laughs> awesome. I love it. That's so cool. Um, well, yeah, I wanted to ask a little bit more about um, your job. I know we've like been all over the place, but I feel like we've talked about some like really great things. So thank you for being so open. Um, I'm back in a district. Um, okay. I am uh, the my official title is the 504 dyslexia specialist. Okay. Um, dyslexia is a very hot topic in, in the state of Texas right now, okay. um, which is where I currently live. Yeah. Um, so it may, it's, it is also a hot topic in some other states, but yeah. it's definitely in the United States of Texas, a, a big, um, hot topic, so to speak. Yeah. Um, it is, uh, where I was um, as the director of the charter school that I was with for the last three years, really, it was an up and coming charter school doing great things for kids. Um, I was helping to build their special education program and, and it, the job itself was wonderful. It was just a lot. Oh, wow. um, and I really needed to take a step back. Um, and so now I'm back with a, a public school district. And so in that district, I'm, I'm still in an, what you would consider an admin position. So helping to guide families and teachers um, uh, in making decisions for kids. Um, so it's just, it's just a little bit different, but kind of still the same stuff. Okay. So. What would you say is like, I know you just said dyslexia is kind of the hot topic right now. What would you say is kind of like the biggest challenge that you're facing right now and like your role and position? Um, so I would say this, I think that, um, and I'm not going to say just for this position, I think in my journey of education, um, I think that, you know, working with families, um, and teachers helping them to understand, um, you know, certain disabilities when we identify those disabilities, helping them understand the special education process, um, helping teachers understand sometimes, um, you know, how to work with kids with disabilities. Um, you know, teachers have a lot on them, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a ton on them. I know as a teacher, there were times when, um, you know, I felt completely depleted, um, 
because there were so many things happening in the classroom. And, um, you know, when we step back and we figure out how to best support people so that it feels like support and not, uh, uh, somebody telling you something, right? Um, There's a difference between telling someone what they should do and actually being able to support them and guide them through it and for them to feel receptive and open to that support. Um, Understanding that behavior is communication. It's it's always a, a communication down at the very end of it, whatever the behavior is. But sometimes that's really hard to see when you're in the middle of it and trying to live it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, helping parents to understand that um, there's hope, that there's supports. Um, I think parents, you know, that have children uh, with special needs, you know, they feel guilty. They feel like they have to be on all the time. Uh you know, and just trying to tell them like, Hey, when they're here with us, this is our job to sit and wait for them to put on their shoes. Right. And, you know, I, I, this, this is years ago, but I remember having this conversation with this mom and she says, you know, and part of the IEP was, um, for the kiddo to put on his own shoes because Mm -hmm. he could, but he didn't like to. And she says, you know, I feel so bad because we're just in a rush when we're trying to get out of the house and I don't have time to sit and wait for him to put on his shoes. So I just do it for him and then we leave. And I said, you know what, mom, that's okay because that's why we're here. We're here because I have time to sit for 20 minutes and wait for him to put on his shoes. (laughs) And I said, and so let me take that burden off of you, you know? And, and I said, you know what? And then eventually, hopefully at home, he was going to put on his shoes when you ask him to, you know, those kind of things. So, um, you know, there's always, always, you know, something next level coming in education. Mm -hmm. You know, I could talk about education for hours and, and the, the things, you know, that I agree and disagree with. Um, But when it comes down to it, we're here for kids. Yeah, we're here to help guide these kids, love them. And we're here um, in the special education world also to be a voice for those kids, for the parents and do the best that we can do. And sometimes do we fall short? Absolutely. Um, But I think that getting up every day and trying to do better, noticing when something has fallen short and doing your best to correct it is that's the thing that you have to keep in mind and make a conscious effort each and every day to put your best foot forward, to do your best to help explain and advocate and try to make that connection of reasonableness. Um, And, and, and I think people just want to know that you care, Mm. you know, that you care about what's best for them, what's best for their kids, you know, those kind of things. And, um, and then, you know, we just do the best we can. Right. Absolutely. And you've been in the education world for a while. Have you noticed? And I feel like I, I may just be seeing this now because I'm, I'm out of college and seeing my friends like go into the workplace and I have a lot of friends that are teachers, but are you noticing that like now there's kind of a shift in like, I guess the burnout of teachers right now? I feel like there's a lot of teachers that are leaving the field or do you feel like it's just like always been like this and it's just getting more attention now? No, our country is, or our world really is, um, uh, 
is in, is in pain. We're in a state of recovery. We're yeah. recovering from um, an epidemic. We're recovering from not knowing what to do and trying our best to figure it out. And, you know, I think some people really understand this and some people it gets really overlooked that in the world of education, it was a lot like healthcare, like, we, yeah. and there was a lot of shifting. Um, and there was a lot of be trying to figure it out and doing the best you could and being on all the time, but you still had your family, right? You still had things happening, um, on the level um, at home, you had concerns that you were worried about some teachers, you know, their, uh, their husbands or wives were um, first responders. Um, and they say they were dealing with that some of them, you know, lost family members to COVID. And, you know, I, you know, I just think that um, there's been a shift in and so much uh, with the educational system is so much shifting back and forth and back and forth that people, they are, they're doing the best that they can, but nobody's saying like, hey, I get it. I get that you're doing the best that you can right now. And um, and that and that in itself is hard, you know? Um, it, it's hard to absorb what has happened. And, you know, anytime there's a crisis, we, we initially go into a state of shock, like our, our, our brains and bodies protect ourselves by going into a state of shock. And then we slowly um, start to absorb and understand what has happened. And I think that, you know, a prolonged um, thing, epidemic, um, mm -hmm. a prolonged uh, crisis, such as um, COVID and um, those types of things, like there's only so much that you can absorb and, and shift and go through. And so, you know, it might not even be until three or four years later that you're actually internalizing or able to process and understand what has happened, yeah. you know, and our kids are different. Like our kids that were exposed to, you know, those opportunities of preschool and socialization at a young age, you know, they're two and three now. And this is their first time being around adults. And actually, you know, I was even talking with this about a coworker the other day, because we were talking about not just the lack of exposure, but young kids learn from facial expressions yes. and that social interaction. And this is all they saw, yep. you know, yep. sorry, I forgot, I you know, we're <laughs> audio, but all they saw with people's eyes, yep. you know, forever. And so there's even that, like not understanding those social cues. So there's just so much to that. Um, that, yeah, I think that, um, you know, we're trying to do better all the time, but sometimes we just have to step back and say, you are doing really great things. And it doesn't feel great. You know, when you're going in every day into like, I almost want to call it a battlefield where, you know, you're trying to manage behavior and teach kids their fundamentals and, um, you know, Sometimes the fundamentals are learning how to sit in a, in, in a chair and talk to your friend and communicate your needs um, and, and being able to understand what's being said to you. So, um, yeah, I think education's always been hard. I think yeah. it's always been a, a selfless job where you're pouring into others every day, all day. I know that as myself, as a mom, yeah, my kids at school always came before my kids at home. <laughs> And so, you know, sometimes I didn't have anything left over at the end of the day. Um, so that balance has always probably been off a little bit, but, um, 
But at the same time, yeah, this, it's definitely going to take us some time to recover and repair. And I think that, you know, everybody's pushing to get back to everything normal, but at the same time, it's all a process and we have to learn that there are stages to recovery and we're in that stage of just recovering. Absolutely. Yeah. I think there's just a lot of grace that we need to give ourselves like these past, like, Oh, what almost like three years have been like extremely traumatic, especially like for us. And then, like you said, thinking about the kids too, that have literally that were born in the middle of 2020 when COVID was at its height, when there was a ton of racial tension and trauma and uproar, like our world is literally just like, it feels like burning around us slowly. And we are just trying to stay afloat. And I think everyone, like you said, we're just doing the best that we can right now. And I I love that you, you talked about teachers to the same extent as we should talk about like our healthcare workers, right? Like these were like the two, I feel like most impacted groups from the pandemic because we had really no guidance and it was just like, you got to go, these kids got to learn. And then also like, you guys have to serve at the hospitals to make sure everyone's okay. Like these were just the two groups that were like, go and figure it out and so now we're just trying to like navigate the world now as we're slowly like coming out of this craziness and hopefully I don't know hopefully we start to get the resources from the government and other people but we're just doing the best that we have with what we have right now and so yeah I like hats off to all the teachers that are doing it because I know it's hard really hard yeah (laughs) That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for sharing. I feel like you just were so honest and open today. And I'm just so thankful that you said yes to being here and to sharing so much of your journey and your experiences. If there was like one thing that you could tell somebody that was only one thing, I mean, like there's so many things, um, (laughs) a little spiel to leave everyone with. (laughs) I mean, first of all, I'm grateful to be here. I think that there are probably a million things that we could talk about. Um, you know, you know, I'm going to kind of revert back to our little chat before we started recording that, you know, uh, when we were discussing, you know, I said, I was kind of nervous about coming on here because I'm not in the front lines or I don't feel like I'm on the front lines of activism. Like I'm not doing anything really spectacular or special. And I had to really sit and think about that. And, you know, I had somebody come to me, um, about a month and a half ago And, um, some of my story and we didn't really get a lot into it, but you know, the, the way that I lost my daughter, she, she, anyway, this person came to me and she said, Amy, I never got a chance to thank you for talking to me and for helping me get through this difficult relationship that I was in and pointing some things out to me. And she, she says, I know that I would not be here today had you not stepped in and spoken to me. and shared your story with me and helped kind of open my eyes and point out some things to me. And I didn't even remember, right? Like, I mean, that sounds terrible, but I was kind of like, what? And then I sat and thought about it and I was like, oh yeah. I mean, cause this was years ago that Mm -hmm. we had this conversation, she and I, and I kind of thought about it and I was like, oh yeah, you know, I do, I do remember 
I do remember talking with her. I do remember being concerned for her and just expressing my concern. And it was really out of a place of genuine love and just not trying to be nosy, not trying to tell her how to live her life, but just saying like, hey, I'm seeing these things and what's happening to you is not okay. And her coming back and telling me this, you know, 15 years later, telling me, I know I wouldn't be alive if you hadn't stepped in and talked to me and just said these few words. And so I, you know, those are the, these little small things that, um, that again, that I was talking about. And I said, you know, oh, I'm not on the front lines of activism, but then I stopped and I thought about it. And I said, you know, taking the time to listen to someone, taking the time to speak up, even if it's just to one person and say, Hey, something that's going on here is not right. And I'm here for you. And I'll hold space for you. If you need me being able to be open to that person, maybe needing you once and needing you again on a different level and needing you again on a third level, but giving them patience and grace and time. And so if I had to leave anybody with anything, it would be that these small things that you do every day matter, even when you don't think that they do, even that offer of kindness or that ear that you extend to someone, or maybe that little bit of wisdom that you're able to share with someone because you're like, Hey, this happened to me. I see this might, you know, be something that you're dealing with, you know, that empathy, um, you know, and without judgment and without expectation, right. We can't expect someone, well, I gave you the advice. I expect you to follow it just, but just planting those small seeds, those small seeds are so important and so impactful and you may not see them bloom for a long, long time, but they do bloom. And so, yeah, if I had to say that, you know, one thing that I wanted to leave with everybody is that knowing that you love and care about people and sharing your love with people is probably one of the most impactful things that you can do every day on a daily basis. And we don't always see the results of that, but believe and know that what you do matters. Absolutely. Wow. You are so amazing, Amy. And thank you so much for just being so open and authentic and sharing your just genuine story. And I'm just so thankful to have you in my life. And thank you for saying yes to being here. And there's so much more of your story that we could unpack. So we'll just probably have to have you back for another episode. (laughs) Absolutely. Thank you for inviting me. This was a great Sunday morning coffee time, right? <laughs> I love My, it. What do we call it? Our deep Sunday morning conversations. Like, <laughs> I love that. I love that. <laughs> well, thank you so much. And yes, you're welcome back anytime. <laughs> and you are amazing also, Lauren. You are doing amazing things every single day. And I remember the day that you were born and seeing your little itty bitty scrunched up face because I ran to the hospital and I remember your mom, the look on your mom's face. And it has been a pleasure and a joy to watch you grow up and in the way that you're evolving into being the wonderful human and woman that you are today. So I'm very proud of you. (laughs) Couldn't have done it without all of you amazing women. You guys are the best. It takes a village for sure. So thank you so much. (laughs) 